Welcome to For the Love of Brantford, a podcast about the evolving story of our community. This podcast is for everyone who holds a place in their heart for our beautiful city. I'm Nathan Etherington, the Program and Community Coordinator for the Brant Historical Society. I'll be sharing some information from the Brant Historical Society archives and other sources to share some history that you may not have learned in school. And I'm Andy Samwell, president of the Eagle Place Community Association, and I'm passionate about community. And for me, you'll hear about what's happening in our community now. And I'm Zila Ozels from the Brantford Public Library. I'll be speaking with experts to get an idea of where our community is going. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to share with us, fill in our feedback form on the podcast website at brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB. We hope you join us each episode as we learn from each other and explore Brantford's past, present, and future. This is the full interview between myself, Zila, and Susan Zudima from Why Not City Missions. yourself and tell us about Why Not City Missions. Sure. I'm Susan Zudima. I'm the executive director of Why Not City Missions. And uh, Why Not is actually celebrating our 20th anniversary in Brantford this year. We launched in 2002. And so we just celebrated it with a big dinner. Uh, We started as a a youth center. Uh, Really, uh, actually, there was some time when it was a restaurant (laughs) early on with youth working there and uh, just really an attempt to engage the uh, the downtown core, um, the youth and and the homeless who were down there. And now today we are a youth center that's been in operation for over 15 years and recently expanded into housing. So we have uh, two houses right now. One is Charlie's Place, uh, named after our founder, Charlie Kopchuk. And it uh, is a residence where uh, three young men right now uh, are living and um, working towards specific goals so that they can be established in adulthood. Our second and our newest house that is our current um, focus is uh, supportive housing for young parents, <clears throat> just opened in September. We currently have uh, three young moms living there and one in our day program. Uh, we have a waiting list because of uh, um, we're waiting on a few upgrades for fire code. So uh, we're limited. We have seven bedrooms there, but are limited right now. Um, and just make, Which is fine. We're learning as we go. So seven would be way too many <laughs> at the beginning. So uh, we're thankful for the, the delay from that perspective. Uh, but yeah, we have four young mom, moms we're working with. And the goal there is to really just provide full wraparound supports, uh, a safety net so they can um, mess up. And uh, and we can say, it's okay that you messed up because it's safe to do that here. Because uh, when you mess up, you can learn from that and we can support you in figuring out how to do it differently next time. So uh, we've got amazing moms living there who are really pressing into the opportunity to to, to have a safe environment for, for doing just that. So it's super awesome. Really great to hear kind of the compassion and passion you have in your voice when you're talking about this work. Um, and I'm curious, so you kind of talked about like the goals of this new home you opened, but can you kind of talk about the needs that were behind even trying to get this home? 
Absolutely. So uh, our intake, our entry point is really the youth center. And that's where youth come and they drop in, they have a hot meal. They, um, our mission there is to empower the youth through relationships. So we really do our best to come alongside them and, and to know, help them know that they are seen as an individual, because these are kids who fall between the cracks so in the classroom, no one's paying attention to what they're doing. Oh, not, not no one, but it's easy. I've been a teacher for 10 years and it is just really hard to meet the needs of kids who have such, such complex um, histories and situations. And so sometimes they just coast or they slip between those cracks. So we, our goal at the youth center is to see them and to hear them and make them feel valued and uh, worthy of attention and, and love and, and relationship. Um, and so as we do that with those kids, they disclose a lot to us about their lives and their situations. Uh, over the past, I would say year and a half, so if, if we could actually put our, ourselves back a year and a half, not that we want to, but middle of the pandemic, uh, um, right, um, our kids were struggling um, to stay in school. Some of them had completely given up and dropped out, not even making an attempt to, to, to do anything because it was just too difficult. So maybe coincidentally, a lot of them are getting pregnant. <laughs> The rate of pregnancy for teenagers in Brantford right now is 3%, which is higher than, I believe, the Ontario average of 1%. Um, so we're already um, slightly higher, because well, I guess significantly higher uh, on average in Brantford. But at why not, 75% of our youth who are identified, who are female, um, biologically, were experiencing pregnancy. And um, so that led us to recognize that we were dealing with a potentially massive issue. Um, so all of them, and not all of the pregnancies, because of um, issues like nutrition, um, you know, eating disorders, um, uh, settings of violence, and whatever, a lot of these pregnancies uh, did not continue. So a lot of we had a lot of miscarriages as well. Um, but but some of the young moms said really early on. Um, they identified that they wanted to parent and uh, that it was going to be difficult, that the place where they lived was not a great place for this baby to grow up. And that could be for a lot of different reasons. It could be because the mom was living in a home where there were addictions in the family. Mom or dad um, was were struggling with um, hard, hard drug addictions. Um, kids are in and out of care in some of the situations that crowding because we all know we have a home uh, a housing crisis in Brantford so families are just stacking up right so in some situations there were seven people already living in a two-bedroom apartment and uh, where are we going to tuck this one more baby right um and so uh and just the, the desire to avoid having the child apprehended you know and recognizing that some of these things were would be concerns for facts right or I we call them CFSGE now. <laughs> They've got a new name, uh, Child and Family Services of Grand Erie. So we thought, you know what, we're in, we've started housing, we've gotten our feet wet. And uh, we really identified that the kids that we see at the youth center, their struggles have their roots in early childhood trauma. By and large, almost without exception, these kids have experienced trauma from a very young age. And the reason they've experienced trauma is because they are in a family who generationally um, is in that cycle, generational poverty, generational trauma. I mean, we've definitely been recognizing and talking a lot about that with um, within the Indigenous community, with the residential schools, and how much that generational um, loss right, has impacted 
future generations in an ongoing way and in, in the black communities as well. And so we're seeing it with our kids, um, you know, any family that really has a, a root in poverty and a generational history of, of uh, trauma and loss, it, that is going to in, impact the next generation. Uh, it almost is inevitable. We really thought strategically because we love our kids and we fight with them to push back against their trauma experiences and the red flags that kind of come out of it, whether that's self-harm or um, mental health or self-medicating because of um, because of their mental health, using drugs, um, trouble in school, criminal activities, dropping out of school, all those things to us are just red flags that point to childhood trauma. Um, so we thought if we wanna have an impact on the next generation, you know, the very best place for us to focus our efforts is in that tiny little space between where that new generation is starting, right? With that new baby. And if we can provide full wraparound supports with that parent and that family, because it's not just the mom, sometimes we've got a dad too, and we love it when that's the case, a dad too, who wants to be part of this, um, if we can equip them, um, give them the skills to, uh, to nurture and care for their child, it's such that that baby has a very um, safe uh, first year, then uh, you know, then they can go on and 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 do so much better than they would have otherwise, and hopefully be on a completely different cycle—not that poverty cycle, but on their way toward you know being able to well pr provide for their family. Because hey, now they finished high school, so we've allowed we've given them space for that. Um, they've they've had therapy to deal with their trauma. They've had. Um, They've done some studies maybe on healthy relationships and what those are supposed to look like. And we really identify like in a customized and unique way, what is it that you have going on in your life that is going to be a barrier for you being the best mom you can be. It's been a huge growing curve, <laughs> learning curve, um, but we're, it's really exciting because as we identify these things that are happening, we're like, okay, like, so we can invest and dig into this right now because we know it's going to come up again and again. So how can we help this mom overcome alcoholism or how can we help this mom, um, you know, uh, that's being reunited with her child uh, who was apprehended? How can we help her now to feel um, stable and secure enough um, so that if the child is crying, she's not going to freak out and cry too. And then like, it's going to be a complete, <laughs> you know, blowout and everybody gets traumatized by it. So, uh, so yeah. It's been pretty awesome, um, and it's been also a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, as you mentioned, like these are complex problems you're yeah. dealing with, so it's not like something you can just, you know, find one simple solution to check off the box and fix everything. No, and the thing that I think is like maybe a little bit different is that we try to come at everything from a relationship standpoint. So you don't want to look at something, a situation, and say. Um, this is the problem. You know, we want to look at it and say, okay, this is the person. Um, this is their situation. This is who they are. This is their story. <clears throat> and this is how their story is playing out in their lives right now. So how can we help this person with the barrier that's in front of them toward becoming the best that they can be? So, um, so that, that requires constant reminders, you know, when we're, when we're dealing with situations that make us feel really uncomfortable or, um, you know, where you just get upset because they've broken a rule and you think the rule is there to protect you and everyone else in the house. And like, what are you thinking? And now, you know, like, do we come down hard and, or do we, do we demonstrate grace and say, um, you know what, like, we just want you to be 
to be safe. <laughs> we want you to be home. We want, you know, we want to have a chance to talk to you. Please come back and let's have that conversation. If they've, you know, been out and just, you know, you can picture them being afraid to kind of return and you know, face the music, so to speak. Um, you know, if they've broken a rule or whatever, but you really want to, um, ex you know, express that grace in that situation and, and help them to understand, you know, that, that we're all a team, a family that can, uh, come alongside them and help them to learn how to do different. So long, big, big context, big issues. <laughs> um, a lot of missing pieces still, right? As you kind of get the right, earn the right to hear their story, it kind of comes out in bits and pieces. So you talked a lot about like the individuals um, that you work with and how working with them and opening the home is really meant to help them get better in the future, like settled in the future um, yeah. in a more stabilized environment. Uh, and I'm curious, I've heard about other, <laughs> uh, you know, homes and group homes. Sometimes there's a community like backlash or community worry. Um, and rather than focusing on that, I'm curious, like if you have anything to say about like how helping these moms and opening a home like this for these young moms is actually helpful and beneficial to a community? So I think as a community, Brantford is recognizing that we are hurting. So I, I don't think it takes anybody with any kind of special insight or, you know, knowledge to be able to, you know, step out of their car at Freshco and not see that there is a world of hurt, you know, or to walk down your, um, you know, just to drive and see just how, how deep rooted some of these issues that we're facing are and how much we as a community own this problem. And I think that Brantford, um, I, I mean, I don't have a ton of experience in other communities or cities in this kind of work, but I have been really, really impressed by how much people in Brantford care and want to invest in um, the youth. And why not? I think they see it as um, almost like a bastion of hope, <laughs> you know, really, um, like everyone hates when they see, you know, not hates is the wrong word, but it is so hard when you pull off the highway and there's someone with their sign or when you, you know, turning left on Gretzky and there's someone else and you're driving downtown, there's a few more people, you know, every single spot, Walmart, there's people everywhere right now where there never used to be just basically trying to tell you, I, my life is hard and um and we can guess at what the situation is the backstory and what what kind of drugs they might be using and what choices may have put them in that situation but the bottom line is we, we don't know and we don't know what they had to choose between so i think um i think when the community sees why not um doing something i think well we've had a very good response um, tons of encouragement a lot of people are investing which is great because that's what it takes right um but the community sees working with youth as being hopeful. So when we when we invest in the youth, we we have a hope that this youth who might otherwise be headed toward holding a sign on a corner or pushing a cart, you know, that youth maybe could possibly have a different future. And the community as a whole, I think, has kind of come alongside that and come around us and said, like, if you guys have ideas and if you guys are, are taking steps, um, we want to support that because we don't like what we see when we 
drive through town. So um, <laughs> I said recently, I was posting, you know, every so often you have these moments where you're like, oh, I want to just waste, I want to say something um, that's on my heart. I, I posted, you know, like we will never do nothing, right? Like we don't, we don't always know the right thing to do, but sometimes we have ideas and we're like, let's try. And if it works, let's do that for a while because, um, you know, and, and we're not all social workers and we're not all, you know, but we have some social workers and we have some teachers and we have um, a pastor and we have different people who kind of come through and on our team and working together, we come up with some kind of unique ideas that aren't necessarily in the social service box and we try it. And then if, if it works for a while, great. If it doesn't work, we try something else. We will never not do nothing. We will never do nothing. We will never not do something. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> so it's just, you got to always be trying to think and push ahead. And uh, and our ideas come right from our kids and our, our experience working with people with lived experience and um, our perception of what it is that they might need relationally. Actually, interestingly, um, research has shown, there's a, um, a saying that goes around um, that says that Every teenager is um, one decision away from being a statistic or one caring adult away from um, from rising above. I can't remember how it ends, but um, actually the research has shown that it's five, five caring adults. Every teenager needs five unique people in their lives who are believing in them and coming alongside them and um, and rooting for them and listening to them and being part of the team. And so whether that's a guidance counselor at school and a teacher that one that one teacher who really takes an interest in a kid, um, whether it's a youth worker at Why Not or a youth pastor at a church or a community member, I feel like parents don't count half the time. I've got teenagers of my own. I'm like, hello, I'm on your team. And they're like, get out of here. <laughs> So I think that parents, you know, as much as we want to be that for our kids, it needs to be the community who steps in with teenagers and says, uh, you know what, we see you being a teenager, even if you don't have trauma is hard, right? So I feel like everybody who's listening to this probably knows some teenagers and it is so worthwhile to, um, to spend time with a teen in mentorship, going out for coffee, doing a project, you know, woodworking, crafting, whatever, like just being with them, being one of those five, that's going to be a different, make a difference in our community just by us digging in and pressing into our teenagers' lives. <laughs> so we all know teenagers <laughs> and really they are great. <laughs> they are great. You just got to get past that crusty, scary piece. That's like, man, this is, yeah. Yes, I have a few teenagers in my life, like through family relatives, and mm -hmm. they, sometimes I hear the stories from them, and I'm like, "Well, let me know if there's anything I can do." But uh, if, yeah. if listening is good enough, I'm there for sure. Absolutely, listening is, you know, and being available or to text with them if you know if you're in that space. But I think anyway, people can reach out and be part of that community of five um, that will make a huge difference. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. I think you kind of and very concisely like kind of painted a picture for kind of what's happening, where we're at, and some hope for the future. Uh, if people want to learn more or follow anything that you're doing, uh, where can they go? So we have a few different websites, but in this case, with our, well, we have our whynotcitymissions.com website, which will take you to all of our different um, areas. 
of impact. So the youth center or different houses. Um, why not youthhousing.com? Uh, there's a, a page on there that talks about SHIP with SHYP, which is supportive housing for young parents. Incidentally, a lot of funny puns you can do with that word, you know. So we've been having a lot of fun with the mothership and, uh, <laughs> you know, everyone gets to be a shipmate and ahoy, guys, let's, let's, let's swab the decks, you know. So that's been fun. Um, but yeah, so that's our that's what we've called our, our new house. It's SHIP, S-H-Y-P. So you can go on our whynotyouthhousing.com website and look for that. Um, there's a way to donate. We're running two campaigns right now. So we've got to pay for the house. And our goal is to do that by June. And we have uh, about... $650,000 to go of our 1.3 million. So I've got to say we are halfway there. So that is awesome. Um, and uh, and we also need to increase our monthly support. And like I said, Brantford is super generous. So I, I don't have any doubt that we will get there on both counts because of course, when we finish this project and we get it funded, the next thing will be waiting. And so it's really important for us to finish funding this so that we can then say, okay, stage two for these moms what comes next and then uh, and then present that so so yeah there's an opportunity to give as well on that website if this has kind of touched your heart and um yeah it's great i, I love talking to people in brantford about uh, these things so i'd love to talk to other groups as well so just uh, reach out to our office the number is 519-759-2221 and and i can uh, be reached that way too Great. We'll make sure to also include this information in the show notes. Thank you so okay. much. You're very welcome. It was great to talk to you, Zila. Thank you for listening to this episode of For the Love of Brantford. You can find all the episodes at brantfordlibrary.ca slash FLB, including the show notes where we list references, share images, and provide resources to continue your exploration of Brantford. We are your hosts, Mandy Samuel, Nathan Atherington, and Zila Ozels. This is a podcast in partnership with the Eagle Place Community Association, the Brant Historical Society, and the Brantford Public Library.